You are listening to the Men That Win podcast from Eagle Nazarene Church, a church beyond our walls. Yeah, September 14th was a day like every day in my life. Um, busy. I'm a sales manager for a, a small company in Meridian, and uh, lots of sales are going on, and my wife and I had a meeting to go to on Thursday night. So I hustled to get home, and uh, my wife was upstairs working on paperwork and doing the things that she does best, uh, keeping control of all of our uh, finances and all those good things. And she told me, she said, hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to cook some hot dogs tonight. Uh, can you uh, make sure they're, they're done and, and, uh, and so we can get ready to go out? a little later on in the evening, and I said, sure. So uh, I went downstairs and was cooking them, and she came down the corner, around the corner where I was at in the kitchen and said, are they almost done? And I said, yeah, they'll be done in a couple minutes. She walked away, and at probably 10 seconds after that, the entire right side of my face uh, kind of like buzzed and was uh, warm at the same time. And the corner of my mouth kind of curled up. And I told myself, I went, wow, what was that? And I was thinking about it. 10, 15 seconds after that, Richard called me and uh, uh, I answered my cell phone. I knew why he was calling because it was about men's breakfast that was coming up. And uh, he had gotten the same text I got, and it was talking about 55 or 60 men that were going to be at breakfast. With that many men, we were going to plan on how we were going to take care of it, buying food and all those kinds of things. So I answered my phone, and what I'm about to tell you is what I remember about it. And um, if it, it's, I'm trying to be as accurate as I can, but when I answered the phone, in my mind, I answered it hey, Richard, what's up, or something like that. And I think Richard told me that, like, my first couple words were kind of okay. The next few words were garbled. Then after that, there was nothing. In my mind, I still thought I was talking and carrying on a conversation with him and didn't know that I wasn't. And pretty soon he says, Chuck, what are you doing? What's up? What's going on? The moment he told me that, I knew without a doubt I've had a stroke. The thing about this is that a couple weeks before this, I had a dream. And in my dream, uh, I, I woke myself up because I didn't like it because it was telling me something bad was going to happen. And uh, without ever having a stroke, not reading about a stroke, uh, really knowing nothing about strokes, Without a doubt in my mind, I knew I had a stroke. So I went upstairs as quick as I could and to uh, let my wife know. And Richard was still on the phone uh, trying to talk to me, but I couldn't talk to him. And eventually I would hang, hang up on him because when I went upstairs to my wife, I was trying to get her attention, and she was 
trying to figure out what I was doing, and I wasn't doing a very good job of explaining what was wrong with me, uh, but I was trying to hand her my phone. And uh, Richard called back again, and I still, uh, Bridget was trying to figure out what's going on, so I hung him up again. Uh, he ends up calling my wife's phone, and he asked Bridget, he says, is Chuck there? And she said, yeah, he's standing right here. And he said, uh, ask him if he can talk. And my wife looked with this look on her face of terror, and she looked at me, and she said, can you talk? And I went, while she went to go get the phone when it was ringing, I went to the office, and I wrote, I can't do it. And it took everything that I could mustered up to write those three little words. I mean, I was concentrating as hard as I could to write this. And, uh, and so when Bridget asked me that and I said I couldn't, uh, Richard said, you need to get him to the hospital right now. And uh, my middle son, Cody, is a uh, physical therapist. And, and uh, so as we were going down the stair and, and heading to the car, she called him to see what could be possibly wrong with me. And he understood that uh, there's an acronym for or when people have strokes, and it's fast. And F is for face. Uh, sometimes the face, whatever side is, is being affected, you're, you're, you droop. Uh, uh, the A in fast is for your arm weakness. And in your mind, you're thinking that you can move both arms up at the same time. Way isn't working like the other, but you think it is. Uh, then the other part is speech, and when we got to that part, even Cody said, you got to get him to the hospital. And we don't live very far from the St. Luke's on Eagle Road, um, so I, my wife told me that I was moving like 90 miles an hour to get into the car. In my mind, I knew that what I was afraid was going to happen, I was going to even have a worse stroke, and, um, and that was in my brain like you couldn't believe, and we got in the car and took off. The devil likes to work against you, especially in times of, of despair and, and when you're in trouble. Um, you know, I'll try to get through this. You know, I'm dad. I'm grandpa. You know, I'm a man. And at this point in time in my life, I was, I was, I was going down. And and I was leaning on my wife, and I was hoping and praying to God that, you know, if this is going to be it, that this is how I'm going to go out. And, and I was talking to God, and I was going back and forth with him, and I told him, you know, I'm not ready. I've got so much more to do. You know, I, I, one of the main things I was counting on so hard was I just wanted to say, if this is it, goodbye to my wife and tell my boys how proud I am of them and my grandson that he's going to be a great man when he grows up. And all of a sudden, that was all leaving me. You know, it's not that when you're losing your voice and all that, when you have a stroke, it's not there. When I was trying to tell Bridget I couldn't talk, it just wasn't there. It's gone. It's not anywhere's to be found. You hear people talking, 
you know you used to talk, but it just isn't there. And I would stop when I was trying to tell her this, and I would, I'm thinking like a computer running through all the, the different parts of my brain trying to find it, and there just isn't anything there. And everybody has, a lot of people have asked me, well, what was it like? It was terrifying. That's what it was like. It was absolutely terrifying. The car ride has seemed like it took a long time, but it only took us about 15, maybe 20 minutes at the most. God was with me all the way. I end up staying with him and moving away from the world. At one point in time before I, I left and said, I'm, you know, I, I can't do this anymore on my own, I can remember the streets and the stop signs and stuff, blur going by, but eventually I would not remember any of that because I didn't want to because I was with God and I wanted to be someplace that was safe. And we got to the hospital and I opened my eyes and Bridget ran around the car and grabbed my my arm and, and got a hold of me and I remember leaning on her and trying to walk to emergency because I could feel myself it was going. I was, I was starting to be able to not concentrate on other parts. Um, and, and I was just hoping and praying I could get to the hospital. Uh, the great thing, we got there, and these two nice nurses said, hey, what's wrong? And my wife said, my husband can't talk. These two nurses went into action like you can't even believe how fast they went into action. Uh, my wife was trying to keep up with them. They put me in a, a wheelchair, and, I mean, they were moving. <laughs> and uh, got me in a room, and a doctor walks in, and he's in a great mood, and he's positive. And so what's going on, guys? And my wife said, my husband can't talk. So uh, he had a watch on, and he asked my wife, well, how long ago did this happen? And by that time, it was about 25 minutes probably. So he had a stopwatch function on that watch, and he hit it immediately. Um, and there's, I'll tell you why in a few minutes, but uh, uh, he took a flashlight and opened up my eyes and looked in both of them and, and looked at my wife and said, well, the reason why he can't talk, he's having a stroke. And uh, that was the very first time we heard that word, stroke. And for me, it was a relief because finally, everybody knows what's going on with me. They did a CAT scan on my brain to see if it was bleeding and there were no bleeds. And so time I got back from that, um, he started talking to me about options. By then, a lot of my family members had showed up, and, and uh, praying was going on, and people you could see. I mean, I'm trying to think my way through all this stuff, being dad, being the man, trying to get through it the best I could because that's all I know. So... Um, there's a drug they can give you. It's called TPA, and it goes in and dissolves blood clots. And the quicker you can get it, the, the better the results will be. So he's trying to explain all this stuff to me, and, uh, and my wife could tell that I was struggling, and so she asked my son Cody to come over and help me with that. You know when you start raising your kids... And you want so much for them. There are certain times in your life you just can't believe 
how they come through for you. And uh, I mean, I, Cody, you know how proud I am of you. But uh, he explained it to me. He knew all about it. And by then, I had IVs here, 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 all over me. And and so they, I looked at him. Cody says, you need to do this. And so I talked, told the doctor, yeah, go ahead and do it. There's side effects of all this stuff, and and you have to be careful with it. But I said, yeah, go for it, you know. And within... I don't know, 35, 40 minutes or so or less, I was able to say, like, yes or no to some of the questions that they were asking me. And I could feel in my heart and my soul that maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to make it. Maybe it's going to be okay. And uh, about 15, 20 minutes later, I could almost say a couple words. Um, But so I was getting better. Um, Before I knew it, they were putting me in a, uh, bed, and they're going to ship me down to uh, to the Boise, uh, St. Luke's. It's better qualified and a better hospital for these kinds of things. And so off we went, and uh, we get there, and we go in through the back part of the hospital, and it's, uh, you know, I've never seen it. There's big uh, uh, places for you can load up the, the beds and stuff, and they can take you all the way up to whatever floor, but it's in the back part of the hospital. We finally get on the floor that we're going that I'm going to be in, and uh, I start noticing all the pictures and everything look familiar to me. Uh, the reason why that is: two years ago, Bridget's dad had a stroke. When he had his stroke, they took him to the Meridian St. Luke's. When they could do as much for him as they could, they loaded him up in an ambulance. They took him to the Boise St. Luke's, just like me. Uh, the hallways that we were going down in were the same hallways that I remember two years ago because we lived in that hospital for about two weeks or so. And I was thinking to myself, I thought, oh, don't tell me I'm going to the same place Marvin went. And I know Bridget was thinking the same thoughts. And when we went into the, the, the area where intensive care unit is, it was exactly where Marvin was, used, was two years ago. Marvin died of his stroke, and in my mind, it started racing again that, oh, no, I'm going to go right here where Marvin went, and my wife is going to go through another, possibly me dying in the same darn place that her dad died in. At the time, she knew it and didn't even think about letting me know where I was at, but I knew where I was at, and uh, again, I started my mind started running on me, and I, I just told God, I, I can't go down this road. You've got to protect me. You've got to guard this. And uh, they put me in the room, and uh, finally my family and friends and everybody showed up again, and they're all with me. And uh, I remember uh, about, I don't know, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night finally, everybody started leaving me. There's a couple things that I learned from this, this whole uh, incident. You know, I used to be one of these kind of guys that when people would go into a hospital or, uh, well, I'll go see them. Nah, they probably don't need me there yet. They're probably sleeping or they're, they're probably, just give them a little time. And uh, one of the things that I, I've learned that God uses every one of us 
in amazing ways. And for you to think that a person who's in the hospital doesn't need you is a big mistake. Uh, when my family left me and my wife kissed me goodbye and she walked out that door, I can't tell you how lonely I was. All I knew, and I was sitting in bed, and I was thinking to myself, how did I get here? I had so much stuff plugged into me, EKGs, I mean everything. Machines are pounding, my heart's going on. I don't breathe enough. Alarms go off. I mean, all this crazy stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, how did this happen to me? And uh, I've never been so alone, you know. And I, I told God, I said, well, I guess it's just you and me. <laughs> they woke me up every 30 minutes for 36 hours. They asked me the same questions every 30 minutes. After a point in time, I don't know how many hours had gone by, I was figuring out how I could get five minutes or ten minutes of sleep in and actually could figure it out. I was so glad when all these nurses would come and see me because I, I, I welcomed it, you know. Uh, the staff there was unbelievable. Um, what went on for the next three or four days is amazing. We talk a little bit about life group. Tuesday before the Thursday when I had my stroke was our first meeting of life group. We're getting ready to fire up again and start our life group for, for the year. And uh, Debbie Jensen said, asked a question, what does life group mean to you? Oh, I knew exactly what it meant to me. I was going to tell them I, was, I couldn't wait for, me, for my turn, you know. Uh, it was uh, finally my turn came, and I said, family, love, friendship, I mean, camaraderie. Guys and gals that my wife and I never knew who have become dear friends of ours that will do anything they can for you and in a heartbeat and don't even hesitate to do it. Um, I said this great speech, and I, and I meant every word of it. I didn't realize that in two days I was going to have a stroke. You know who the first people were to help me? is my life group. And they loved on me. They prayed over me. They were there every inch of the way. A neurosurgeon walked in at one of our meetings and was trying to explain to me and, and family what, was, what he thought had happened to me. Chuck Page was there. I don't know. There could be other guys from our group. And this doctor looks around and he says, is it okay for me to talk in front of all these people? I said, certainly. These are my friends. This is my family. And, and I didn't even hesitate. I mean, Chuck and all these guys move right in, and here's this doctor going over all this stuff with me. You, you can't believe how, it, how you feel. I mean, one of the parts that's been rough for me, and it isn't anymore, um, I always try to help people. I'm not on the other side of that coin. But it's, and it's tough to have all these people come to you pray for you, love on you, hug you. After a while, in the beginning, I was kind of like, Ooh, you know, and then pretty soon, I, God was showing me and letting me look at what his love really is. 
And it, and it blessed me more than you'll ever know. You can't believe what it does for your soul and for your heart to know that these people really love you and will do anything for you. I was in that intensive care unit for three days, and I finally got out. But during this time, I mean, I have a tattoo on my arm, and it's, it's nails, uh, and it, it looks like a fish. And this one nurse girl looked at me, and she goes, wow, that's a crazy tattoo you have there. What's it, what's it about? I said, those are the nails that, uh, that were nails for, that nailed Jesus to the cross. That's what it reminds me of. And she said, really? And I went, yeah, that's, that's why I have it on me. And, and, uh, and she, was, she was blown away by that. And I, I told her, I said, you know, uh, God's been with me. He's, he's here with me now. And, uh, and I'm in good hands because of that. Uh, other girls would come in to me and say, you know, you're a miracle. Uh, we can't believe how well you're, you're, you're improving. And I'd tell them, yeah, uh, God's with me. And they, they just look at me and go, we think he is, you know? And uh, so uh, I get out of the hospital. Um, I go home for a week. I'm weak. Um, uh, before that, though, I, uh, there was one shift change. I was going to remember a shift change. They happen every 12 hours. And these girls are getting ready to leave. Two nurses were, and two new ones were coming on, looking at all my vitals, going over everything with me and, and the others as well. And they all leave. And sitting in this chair by himself is a man. And I, I looked over there, and I go, and, 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 and you are? And he goes, well, I'm a doctor. This guy looked like he'd been sleeping. <laughs> His hair was all messed up. He had baggy clothes on. And he was a surgeon, is what he says. Uh, I believe he was an angel. Uh, whether he was an angel or not, that man sat with me for 45 minutes and explained everything on what he thought was going on with me. I asked him, I said, well, that's great. Is there any way you could come back on Sunday and tell this to my family? The doctors come in about 6 o'clock in the morning or 7, and then they're gone. And my family was never there to hear all the stuff that was happening with me. So on Sunday, he, come, he actually showed up, and uh, he went over all the stuff with my family. And uh, that later on that day, I was released. And I went home for almost a week. Then I... What they thought is wrong with me is I have plaque that was built up in my left carotid artery. And uh, I've never known what plaque is, but in their mind, what happened to me, believe it or not, two or three little pieces of this plaque broke off and went up into my brain, and that's what damaged my brain. Um, and I asked the doctor, I said, well, how big is this plaque? He said, it is the size of grains of sand. And I looked at him and I said, you mean to tell me a grain of sand has done this much damage to my brain? 
He goes, exactly. When we went to see the surgeon, and he had all the, the, the CAT scan and the MRI, and you could actually see my brain. It's a certain gray color. And then where the brain is actually damaged, it is light gray. And I have two spots that are one here, like one here on my brain, and they stand out, really stand out so you can easily see them. And, um, um, you know, my wife asked him as well, is that going to ever come back? And he said, no, uh, they're dead and that will never come back. And, but getting back to the plaque, so what they're going to do, they asked uh, or told me that they're going to, you know, make an incision and, they go in there and clamp off both ends of that carotid artery. They reroute the blood around that so that your brain keeps getting blood. And uh, they slice it open and clean all the plaque out of it. The doctors told my family that when he did all that, he could actually see where the plaque came away from the main source of the, the main part of the plaque where the little parts broke off from it. So the following week, uh, uh, so that's what uh, that's what they said. That's what happened. So um, the uh, surgeon said, "So we need to make a, an appointment for you. And when would you like to come in?" Well, in their minds, the sooner the better, because uh, uh, without seeing it, you know, uh, they're afraid it was going to happen again. So um, I said, "Well, get it done as soon as you can." So he opens up his computer and he starts going through. Uh, you know, his appointment part, and he says, whoa, whoa, he goes, you already have an appointment, and uh, he looked at me, did you do it, and I went, no, Bridget, no, so he goes, well, that's interesting, in my mind, this angel that I call, this guy that I call an angel, made that appointment for me, it was already done, it was already in the books, and I told my wife, I guess God wants us there on Monday, they did the surgery um, and uh, was successful, and, um, and and it's taken me about well, it's about eight weeks now that I've had my my stroke. You know, there's a couple things that I think are really important. You know, we're blessed to be around men like this church like this, friends like this, family like this, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I was going to have a stroke. And maybe it's a miracle, you can call it what you want, but, you know, I'm a lucky man. Uh, multiple people have told me you know, God didn't want to take you home yet, and he's got some work for you to do. And that's why I was very willing to talk about all of it today. I went through, and I found some uh, Bible verses that, after reading them over a couple different times, I, I think are important. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord plans for peace and well-being and not for disasters to give you a future see well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope 
Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid or tremble and dread before them, for, for it is the Lord your God who gives, goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. And God has been with me over and over and over again through all this. It's been amazing. Uh, the church prayed for me before uh, the surgery and all this went on. And one of the things that were in my mind about God, he was holding my hand, and he was there with me. And it gives me peace and comfort to know that uh, how powerful and how strong, how loving, how blessed, how wonderful uh, it is to have God in your life and that you can lean on him and know that he's not going to let you down. So that's my story.